Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. So I can see you in a working, 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 working. There it is. If you love Jesus, say I do. Hey, let's pray real quick. Father, we come into your presence right now. Your Holy Spirit is already here, and we ask for you to just welcome us and be able to uh, help us learn from your word, prepare these words uh, for these students. Let us be able to grow. Let's be able to hear. Let's be able to come more like you. Lord, be with me. Be with tonight. What's your name? Amen. If you would, turn to your Bibles in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. <clears throat> this is where I've landed today. I've, um, I like to give credit where credit is due. I'd like to, to thank two pastors, Pastor Ben Stewart and Pastor Charles Spurgeon, on, on just this text alone um, have, have helped me tremendously, but also just the last decade of really just growing in my ministry. Uh, man, those two people alone have helped me tremendously, and I'm very thankful for them. But many of y'all don't know this about me, is I love to build things. I love to. I love to renovate houses. I love to work on cars. As you know, I like to work on boats. Many of y'all probably won't go on a boat with me anymore, Right? You're missing out on a story and an opportunity for God to shine, amen? <clears throat> uh, many of y'all actually have maybe heard a couple stories. I know some of y'all in here, you have helped me uh, either move 10,000 pounds of brick by hand. That was a God-experiencing time, right? Some of y'all helped me cut down trees, rip up wood flooring, hang sheetrock, do mechanical things, do electrical things, hang up soffit outside of my house, Two guys in here have really tremendously helped me. They dug seven hours rotted sewer pipe. Thank you, Jamie Morrison and Nash. Love you guys. Then They're never going to help me again, by the way, right? Seven hours, gosh. But this is what happens 99 out of 100 times when I ask someone to come, come help me. Everybody's like, yeah, I want to help. Yeah, I'm eager. It's like eager beaver over here. I'm so excited about it. And so we get to the project, and I'm always like, okay, and this has happened a couple times. I'm like, hey, why don't you go change those electrical outlets? I need 15 of them changed. And they're like, well, like, I don't know how to do that, right? I'm like, well, it's not like I just leave someone there and like expect them to just know how to do it, right? Like knowing y'all, you probably stick a screwdriver in the electrical outlet and you're not gonna have eyebrows for the next two weeks, right? That would be, or burn the house down. That would be my luck, right? No, like I sit there and I try to help. I try to explain to them the certain steps that they need to change the electrical outlet. First, you go and you find the breaker box out in the garage, right? Make sure that you flip the breaker, you go back, check the plug, make sure it doesn't have electricity. You take off the plug, you take, you take off the plate, you take out the outlet, you take that one off, and you put the new one on, make sure that the, the wire's on the necessary places, right? Then you go back, you, now you rinse and repeat. You put everything back on, and you put the plate back on, and then you go flip the breaker on. Go back to the outlet, feel it, feel it, right? Make sure it's not hot. You plug in something to make sure the outlet works, and you got 14 more to go, right? 
I make sure that they know the steps in order to do it. See, if someone weren't to have taught them how to properly install the outlet, it probably would not have ever been done right. Students, I feel that when it comes to our walk in faith, Many of us aren't shown what the right steps are to grow spiritually, and we either don't try or we waste time and effort doing it the wrong way. Am I right? And I think, and, and, and I don't think it's because it's a lack of knowledge why Christianity isn't booming in the U.S. right now. I don't think it's even a lack of resources for being the reason that we have seen our country shift from one country under God to one country with any God that you choose. I think the problem has been that there's a lack of discipleship from the more mature in their faith. And I think it's a lack of spiritual hunger and thirst for righteousness in our own generation. And tonight, students, I want us to be able to meet right there. I believe without a shadow of a doubt there is a hunger and thirst for righteousness in this room. Can I get an amen on that? I believe there's a hunger and thirst because you were willing to drive 12 to 15 minutes off campus and lose that parking spot. That's a big deal, amen, right? You're willing to get into the line of cars down Flood Street. Someone take a video of that for me next week. I want to see the cars that are coming to Crossover down Flood Street to come to Crossover. You come to this building because you have some hunger and thirst for growth. And tonight, if I can somewhat be somewhat of a disciple for you, I want to be able to dig into the words of Paul tonight because I believe that his teaching for us tonight is going to focus on what are the steps for a spiritual life. I think some of us, we need to evaluate the steps that we are in right now and make sure we either are having a spiritual life or some of us, we need to take the steps to grow our spiritual lives. Paul and Timothy here, before we get started in the first part of this uh, book here, uh, Paul and Timothy here have heard from their dear friend Epaphras on how he learned the gospel from, from Paul during his early years and walking with Paul and learning from Paul about Jesus and how he heard that everybody needs Jesus. And guess what he did? Imagine this, it's crazy. He went back to his hometown and he told people about Jesus. And guess what? People wanted to know about Jesus. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy that he went back and told them about Jesus and it actually worked. Imagine that someone talking about Jesus and someone was actually wanting to follow him. How many people do we know that need to hear about Jesus and we're not talking about him? See, he shared with them that the Son of God came into this earth and he lived a perfect life and died a miserable death so that anybody, anybody who is walking in their sin could give their life to Jesus and have a new life and have a life in him and have an eternal destination and have a purpose and Jesus is gonna wash them white as snow and guess what, they believed it. And this people group here, this church, they got hooked 
on Jesus. And so he's telling Paul and Timothy about all the excitement that is going on. And he's saying that he's saying that this church is growing and people are growing numerically and they're growing, growing. And Paul and Timothy are getting excited. But Paul knowing uh, through the Holy Spirit, knowing that something else could be at play here, even with all the growth, he knew that there might be a lack of something. There might be a lack of knowledge and understanding in Jesus. See, our Christian faith doesn't just stop at salvation. I believe it just starts at salvation. So if we could, that leads us up to Colossians 1.9. And it says this. <clears throat> and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. You know, I wish I could just write a whole sermon just on that one line. You know, I wanted to, I really wanted to dive in. I'm going to really try not to right now, but I really want to dive in on, on prayer. My question to you being, who makes it onto your prayer list and what kicks people off of your prayer list? Come on now. Can I get a little amen on that? Come on. Why don't y'all talk about that in your discussion groups? Oh, you don't have one? You don't have a discussion group? Go to your church and ask for one, amen? I don't want a thousand people here on Tuesday and only a hundred people going to church. That's, that's, that's not right. I want y'all to go to church. I want you to ask about small groups. I want you to get plugged in. I want you to serve. Come on now. All right. Oh, sorry. Let's go back to Colossians. Here we go. Asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, from the domain, sorry, of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What is the object of this this little paragraph, or as the Greek likes to call it, the pericope of this. What is the main subject? It says it in verse 9. From this day that we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Why? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. He wanted people to be filled with God and his Knowledge. See, with that growth, Paul knew something. He knew that there was going to be a lot of people that knew about God and knew that he sent his son and knew that they needed him as a savior. Yes, but that was the extent of their faith. And what was happening with all these people coming to know Jesus is that all these false teachers were swooping in and they were bending truths and they were bending scriptures and all these infants in their faith, they were falling for these truths. And Paul was like, listen, listen, listen. Fill yourself with the knowledge of God and learn his will and grow in understanding. 
Gain knowledge. See, knowledge was a big deal to the early church because these Pharisees, if you knew them, you could ask them anything in the Old Testament. And these Pharisees, they would know it like the back of their hand. They had this this knowledge, a certain worldly knowledge that a lot of people admired. But Paul is saying there's a different type of knowledge that we're talking about. And it's the knowledge of God. And the knowledge of God starts from the inside out. It is about the change of your heart towards God. It was learning how to build a relationship with the Father, learning who he was, learning who he is in you and through you and tearing off anything that was your former self and putting on everything that Jesus was saying that you are. Students, just a side note in here, there are many of you right now that think that you have to be perfect in order to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to quit something in order to have a relationship with Jesus. Listen, it's impossible. You can't be like Jesus until you have Jesus and you grow in knowledge of him. And that's when you start growing in your knowledge of him. That's when you start becoming more like Jesus. See, the second thing that he says here is that we need to grow in understanding. One thing is knowledge, but Christian faith is a heart knowledge applied with action. How many of us sit in a class and you're like, oh man, there's a lot of knowledge around here. Everybody else seems to understand it, but I don't. Amen, hallelujah, right? Anybody? That was accounting too. I was like, this is like learning Chinese language for me. Like, I don't, like, there's, like, this is, this is way over my head. I don't understand this. I see in their eyes, they're getting it, right? They understand this, but I do not understand what is going on right now. Spiritual bankruptcy, burnout, or lack of growth comes from not only lack of knowledge, but also lack of understanding, knowing who you are in Christ and being a child of the king that has made you who you are. See, that's the object of the letters. But what's the reason? Verse 10, it says, to be able to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Why do we grow in these two things? So we can walk in a manner worthy and pleasing to the Lord. Students, I I really want you to just break any pride walls. I want you to be able to just take away any things that you brought in. And I want you to truly look at the last couple of months of your life and say, has my life been, been growing in spiritual knowledge and understanding? And is my life worth, uh, worthy of pleasing the Lord has my life been pleasing to the Lord. What does Paul say here now? How does he show us in scripture these steps that I believe are important for us to walk away with tonight? How do we either evaluate where we are at spiritually or maybe some of us need to learn how do we start growing a spiritual life in order to be able to have spiritual knowledge and understanding and worth and have a worthy life pleasing to the Lord. Let's look at what Paul says here. First, he says that we need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. How? Bearing fruit in every good work. We are to be bearing fruit in our life. A Christian, is, a Christian life is supposed to bear fruit. 
Luke 6, 43 says, For no good tree bears bad, for, bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known of his own fruit. For figs are neither, neither gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked up from bamble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. A Christian life is supposed to bear good fruit. A life saturated in the love of Christ bears the fruit of Jesus. See, when you are bearing your fruit, you are walking this confidence and this humility of Jesus being able to grow what you have planted. You are called to plant seeds. You are responsible for planting the seeds, and he is responsible for growing the seed. See, bearing fruit is resemblance to your faith in action. I believe that is the greatest degree of of evaluation for yourself is being able to say, am I planting good fruit in my life? I think one of the best ways that you can say is, how am I throwing the seed of the gospel to the people around me? The greatest action that proves the greatest faith is showing others your love of Jesus Christ. You want to walk a manner of worthy of praising Jesus? Start talking about Jesus. How many of us know that we're supposed to talk about Jesus? Raise our hands, all right? Okay, four of y'all, awesome. But how many of us actually do it? Now let me tell you something. It's more than just knowing. It's us actually doing it. Let me tell you the truth of it. It's scary at first, amen? It's scary to share your faith at first. You do tremble over your words. There's no question. Like you know you have a roomie that needs Jesus and you walk up to him and you're like, oh man, all right. Hey Jesse, let me, uh, let me talk to you about something, all right? There's a little thing called sin. He's like, what? (laughs) Adam and Eve, they sinned, and there was a snake, and the devil dropped out of heaven, and the Roman guard speared Jesus, and like, listen, like, he died for your sins, though, and if you give, I mean, if you give your life to him, and you trust him, like, you'll have life in heaven, not hell, right? Like, listen, it's... It's been pretty bad on, on a couple of my, my first ones. I hope that yours will never go that bad. Most likely it won't, praise Jesus, come on. But this is what's crazy. You ready for this? That's pleasing to Jesus. Even in your weakness is his strength, amen? That's pleasing to Jesus. When you're taking a step out of your comfort zone, you're saying, you know what, Lord? If you don't show up, I'm gonna be in trouble. That's pleasing to Jesus, and this is what's really crazy. Is when Jesus grows it, and your roommate comes back, I don't know, a week, a month later, and says, okay, listen, so you're telling me that Jesus loves me even though I've done this and this and this. Yeah. So you're telling me that that even though I've done this, or I'm, I, you know, I'm, I just did this yesterday, he still loves me. Yes, I, you're telling me he died for me even though that I'm a sinner. Yeah, it's in the Bible. 
So you're telling me in order to have a relationship with him, I just got to trust he's the son of God, and I just got to put my faith in that, and I believe that he came and saved me. Yes, absolutely, I believe that. And you will have a relationship with him now and forever. And when God begins to grow that, you start seeing how it's not about you, but it's about God. And my crazy talk didn't save somebody, but Jesus took that seed and he grew that seed in that person. Students, the last eight months, I've had two big dirt spots in my yard. And my wife almost every week says, when are you going to grow some grass in there, right? She doesn't sound like that. Sorry, babe. Honey, when would you grow some grass in there, right? That's exactly what I know. That's more of the first one, let's be honest. Um, guys, just joking. But listen, I've had two dirt spots because I, I uprooted two trees and it just hasn't been, you know, it just hasn't been done. Why has it not been done? Because I've had the bag of Bermuda seed in my, in my garage and I haven't gone out and throw the seed yet. But what's happened over the last eight months in those two dirt spots is I've had about 32 different types of weeds grow, and it has been a nightmare to be able to get those things out of there. And about three hours ago, I just went and actually finally threw the seed down for the first time. You're welcome. Thank you. Happy wife, happy life. You're welcome. Premarital one-on-one. I say that to say this. Wherever in your life you're not willing to spread the seed, something else will grow and it won't be the fruit of Jesus. And if you allow something else to grow in your life, it's going to be a whole heck of a lot harder to uproot it. Something to kill it, something to destroy it out of your life, to stop you from doing it and start pursuing Jesus. Where there is no seed, there is no good fruit. Maybe it could be in your friendships. You don't have good fruit in your friendships because you don't tell your friends about Jesus. You don't walk like Jesus amongst your friends. You don't talk like Jesus amongst your friends. And your friendships don't look like Jesus. And they don't have a fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of bearing anything of Jesus because you haven't spread the seed of Jesus in your friendships. Maybe you don't have fruitful relationships with your boyfriend or your girlfriend because you haven't practiced spreading the seed of Jesus in your relationships. You don't walk like, talk like, act like Jesus in your relationships. Let's take it another thought. What areas in your life don't you have good fruit? Let me tell you something, is that's going to be the area that you don't have faith that Jesus is going to grow something better than you have right now. That's going to be the one that's really going to take you out of your comfort zone and put your faith in Jesus. And we don't try to throw seed on that. We don't try to grow in that because we think that Jesus won't grow something better than we have right now. I want you to be able to write that down in the next day or two. What is something that I'm not able to give to Jesus and throw seed on it right now? And that's the area I guarantee that you need to give up more than anything.
Students, do you throw seed on your life? Do you bear fruit in every walk of life? Do you bear fruit in every good work, as it states here? Second thing is this. It says that we need to be increasing in knowledge, bearing much fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God. Can I just say something? I love you guys. Love you guys. Thank you. If I could, uh, it's like the first time I told Caroline I loved her, right? Just kidding, guys. Ooh, that girl loves me. Come on. If I could, uh, I, I can't tell you how many times that I wish that I could just take a little bit of my faith and, and, and be able to implant it in some of you. Some of you are struggling so much right now. You're, you might be stuck in a depression. You might be stuck, stuck behind something. Maybe something has happened in your life. And like, I don't have the answers for you. And I wish I could just take a little bit of my faith and put it in your heart and say, you know what? Ring true, stay true, rely on God. And I promise you that he is going to bring you out of this. I wish I could just put a little bit of that faith in there. Some of you right now, you're in the same position that I was when I was in college, and you got this great call on your life, and you know it. I'm, someone's feeling the holy hug right now. You know that God is calling you to do something that you are terrified of doing, and I wish that I could just give a little bit of more faith, and you'd be able to look at that and say, you know what, Lord, like... I don't care if I'm afraid of it. I'm going to step out on faith. And I wish I could put a little bit of faith in you and watch you prosper in the calling that God has on your life. And I'm telling you, once you catch it, you don't ever want to lose it. Some of you in here, you've been on the fence of whether or not that you really want to put your faith in your life in Jesus. And I wish that I could just show you the last 27 years of my life and how faithful God has been to me and how I can look back at this 27 years of my life and I can see stepping stone after stepping stone after stepping stone. And a couple of those stepping stones, I thought I was be, being rejected by friends. I thought I was being rejected by, by some of my family members. I thought I was being rejected and I thought, God, there was no way that my life was ever ever going to end up worthy of yours. And I start seeing now that that rejection with Jesus' protection to be able to get me where I am today. I can't tell you how I can look at these stepping stones and say, you know what, Lord, if this wouldn't have happened, if this wouldn't have happened, if this wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't have been here today preaching to you about the love of Jesus Christ. I wish I could do that for you, but I can't. You have to grow it between you and Jesus. We have to be filled with his knowledge and for his will. To be full means, you ready for this? To be full of. You're welcome. Your knowledge is to be full of God's will. Students, you can't know God's will without knowing God's word. People say, I don't hear from God, read God's word. People say, I don't know how to listen to God, read God's word. God wrote the Bible. 
People say, I don't know how to grow spiritually. Read God's word. Isn't it crazy to me? I want you to understand this, that the angels to this day, they marvel at scripture. Angels to this day who are in the presence of God Almighty, who are in heavenly realms right now, they marvel at scripture. And it's funny is that this is the very thing that many of us dread to read. Listen, the devil doesn't have to ruin your life to control it. He just has to keep you from reading the Bible. Is he winning? Student Psalms 1 says, Blessed is he who delights in the word of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. Students, many of you are feeling empty right now. You're feeling stuck right now. You feel like... Like your head is underwater, maybe you're sad, maybe you're depressed, maybe you just have no joy, you're just, you're just surviving, you're not thriving, you're just going from one test to another test, you're just, you're just walking in this life and you don't know what to do, you're kind of stuck. Listen, I promise you, I promise you, this Bible has power, bury your life in it, I'm telling you, it will transform you. This is my fear. I'll be honest with you about something. This is my fear. This is where I feel like this is where I feel like churches might fall. This is where I feel like some of us are failing in glorifying God and, and growing in our spiritual life. Is that when is in our life the only encounter that we ever have with Jesus is when we're singing worship songs. The only time that we feel that holy hug, the only time that we feel Jesus around us is when we are singing worship songs. Don't get me wrong, I love worship songs. I need worship songs. But I would drown in this life if the only time that I felt Jesus in my life or the presence of God in my life or I spoke to God or God spoke to me was the 30 minutes a week that I spend worshiping. You know why many of us crave church or crave Tuesday nights? It's because your soul is longing for something deeper. Your deep is calling to the deep, and he wants to connect with Jesus. He needs to be connected with Jesus. You know why a lot of us, our heads are underwater? Because your spirit is longing for nutrients from God, but it doesn't get all that it needs in the 30 minutes a week that you are worshiping in song. Blessed is the man that is delighted in the word of the Lord. Blessed are you, students, and I promise when you become filled up with the word and the will of the Lord, and you start doing the will and the word of the Lord. Learn how to have a quiet time. Learn how to find the presence of Jesus in every day and learning how to communicate with him and learning how to listen 
for him and listen to him. And listen, you're going to start growing in this relationship where you're talking to Jesus almost at every moment of every day. And you start feeling his presence move you. Hey, you probably shouldn't go over there. Hey, you need to go talk to that person. That person needs something. Why don't you go figure it out? And you start walking with Jesus and it becomes this relationship. And it becomes so addictive where you start listening to God and feeling his presence. And he uplifts you and he snatches you out of the darkness and brings you into the light. Students, my question to you is, what do we fill up our lives with right now? They say the average person spends 3.5 hours on their cell phone a day. That's not a, that's not a computer screen. That's not a TV screen. That's, that's on a cell phone. That's mostly social media. Three plus hours a day. You can't tell me that you're not feeding your mind with something, amen? Ben Stewart says, your inputs become your outputs. What you put into your life is reflected on what comes out of your life. You can't tell me that you are spending three hours a day in the chaos, amen? The chaos of social media, the conflict after conflict, the comparison after comparison, the hopelessness that social media, and you can't tell me that's not affecting who you are. Imagine, students, if we spent as much time with Jesus and reading his word and meditating on his word and applying his word as much as we did at looking on our phones. My simple question is, does our life and our mindset and our actions and our words and our hopes and our dreams look like Jesus? Your outputs are a reflection of your inputs. We gotta grow in knowledge of God and we gotta learn his will for our life. Point number three, empowered Endurance, that you may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience and joy. I love how one pastor puts it this way. Endurance in the Greek means hupomone, with great might. You can handle a lot of weight. And patience in Greek meaning macrothumia, which is where we get thermostat, the meaning to handle a lot of heat for long periods of time. You're, you're built to be able to handle great weight and to be able to handle much heat, not because of what you have done, but because of who you have in you. I think it's pivotal for us to understand the verb in this text. It's, it's not to endure. The verb is for us to be strengthened. We have to continually be strengthened in order for us to be able to handle much weight weight and for us to handle much heat in our life. I think the greatest sign of our spiritual life growing in Christ is not when things are going well in our life. I think it's when things are not going so well in our life. What happens when your roommates and your friends see you handle yourself when things aren't going perfect? See, Nero was a horrible leader during this day and age. He was known for his ruthlessness over one specific people group, and that was Christians. 
He would bring them in as spectacles during parties, and he would torture them. He would, he would bring them in and have them burned alive or, or mauled or stabbed just for his pleasure. And see, what the people of Rome noticed is when the Christian groups were together, they didn't hear them complaining or, or whining of, why is this happening to us? Or we need to kill Nero, and we need to make sure that he is put to shame. You know what they heard? They heard the Christians praying for Nero, and praying for Rome, and praising the name of Jesus, and singing songs to the Lord God Almighty. And guess what happened? The city of Rome saw their struggle, but they saw their, spray, their praise, and it won them over to Jesus. Because they're saying, if you can go through that, and you worship like this, then you must have a better God than I could ever imagine. And the city erupted with Christ followers. Students, what would happen if your roommates and your friend groups watched you praise Jesus in your storms? When things got complicated in your life, when hard times fell on you, what happens when you go through struggles or loss uh, or, or a bad breakup or a failed class or a bad diagnosis or a bad hair day, right? Like what happens? Guys, I wake up every morning with a bad hair day, amen? And instead of us cursing our situation, we still give God glory and honor and praise. Let me tell you what would happen. When something goes wrong in their life, they will remember how you handled yourself when something went wrong in your life. And they're going to come to you and say, you know what, listen, you had a certain strength during this time. And I would like to be able to have what you have. And let me tell you, that's... That's the moment that, that God is knocking on your heart saying, all right, it's time. Say, so you know what? It's not about me. It was Jesus that brought me through this. Students, let me give you a side note here. I believe in the college realm right now, what I've noticed in the last decade of college ministry, I believe that many people don't know Jesus because many Christians don't know how to suffer well. We want to blame everything on everybody else. We want to curse the situation. We want to hurt the other person. We want to shame the other person. We get our heart broken and we don't know what to do. We get stuck underneath everything. We get stuck underneath the water. Let me urge you to be strengthened with empowered endurance. And let me listen to me. It will change your witness. And instead of people always hearing about your problems, why don't we show them your praises? And instead of them seeing your struggle, why don't you start showing them your surrender and let, let them see that John 3.30 means something in your life, that he must increase and I must decrease. And my problems isn't what defines me. It's Jesus' praises that defines me. And I'm gonna walk through this. I'm gonna walk through this breakup. And you know, I'm gonna take it on a chin, but I'm gonna give it to Jesus because he has my life now and he has my life forever. You know, I'm gonna go through this problem and you know what? Yes, it's gonna hurt, but I'm gonna give it to Jesus because I have one mission. That is to love the Lord with all my heart, my soul, and my mind, and to love my neighbor as myself. 
We need to live with power that only Jesus can provide because when you show people the power that you have in them, they can see the Jesus that is inside of you. Lastly, what does the scripture say? We need to have gratitude, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from where? The domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. I don't want to spend, I don't have a whole lot of time to spend on this, but I want to say this. Is does our life prove how grateful we are for what Jesus has done for us on the cross? He gave his life so we can have eternal life. He endured this world for 33 years, combated sin snares, felt the beating whips of the Roman guard. He felt his last breath and felt death on the cross so he could cover our sin and our shame so we could have life and have it more abundantly and have an everlasting life with him. You know, about four years ago, I was washing my truck and I noticed a couple uh, they were dumpster diving right by the, the car wash. And I felt, I felt the, the tug on my heart. God said, you need to go talk to them. And so I went over and I said, like, hey, how are y'all? What, y'all need anything? And they're like, well, we're hungry. And I saw a restaurant and I called Carol. And I was like, hey, listen, I'm not going to make it to dinner. And I took these people to, to the restaurant right down the, the corner. I was able to sit there and I talked to them. And it was one of the, you know, you always say you go to mission trips to serve somebody, but it ends up they're serving you. Like it was one of those positions where like they were such a blessing to me just having spiritual conversations with them. And I was able to share the love of Jesus and their eyes were just opening up and I paid for the meal. They were very thankful for it and were walking out. And I think I paid with, with a 20 and I had like $5 left over. And I was like, you know what? Um, Simone, I was like, listen, I, I have $5 left. I, I, you know, I know it's not much, but you should have seen the thankfulness of this guy. He said, Mr. Brent, what can, like, can, I, can I vacuum out your truck? Can I, can I come to your house and mow your lawn? Like, like you've been like this man. Is, it was a big deal. Like he was just so thankful for the meal and he was so thankful for the five extra dollars and I'm just sitting there and it's just hitting me in the face because I realized that that guy cared more and had more gratitude over five dollars than I had about Jesus giving me eternal life. Are we thankful that Jesus ripped us out of the guts of hell and he placed us in the book of life to be in heaven with him forever. You know what gratitude is for Jesus? It's us realizing that Jesus has made us a new creation that operates from his dominion, from his strength, from his power, from his faith, from his glory. We aren't trying to pay for our salvation. We're working from our salvation. We aren't working for his love. We are working from his love. We are free now. We are free tomorrow. We are free for eternity. The weight of this world is not the comparison to the weight of his glory that he has placed in our lives. That's the gratitude. Jesus has made you a new creation. You can walk in this world the way that Jesus wants you to walk in this world with his power and with his confidence. Does your life prove how grateful you are for what Jesus did for you on that cross? So students, as we close up here, 
Where are you at in your steps of this spiritual life? Maybe some of us, tonight we need to grow in some areas. Maybe some of us, there's some steps that we need to grow in, and we need to grow in maybe just bearing good fruit. Bearing fruit in our life and and throwing the seed of Jesus in some bare areas of our life. Maybe some of us, we need to learn how to spread the gospel in our life. We need to be able to show people how much Jesus means to us. Maybe some of us, we need to grow in our knowledge and, our, and, and learn how to read God's word and grow in the word of God. And I promise you, it will be worth it. Some of us, probably most of us, need to work on growing in the empowered endurance of God and letting him f- help us grow in, in bearing the weight and bearing the heat of the pressure of this world so we can be a light in this dark place for people that need him. And I believe that all of us, all of us, all of us need to learn how to be more gracious and thankful for what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Some of us tonight, we know that we have never entered a relationship with him. And I beg you, I beg you, please come down to one of the people up front and say, you know what, I want to start a relationship tonight. Could you help me do that? And I think that would be the best decision that you could ever have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. It gives us hope, gives us light, gives us life, gives us direction. Lord, it gives us power. Lord, let us just be able to take your word and apply it to our life and let us take this thing serious. Because there are people out there in this world that wants this word to go away. And Lord, let us not ever let that happen. Let us implant it in our life so we can live it throughout this world. Lord, let us take it serious. Some of us, we need to grow so much and we know it. Lord, I first ask that they just grow in that relationship with you. They learn how to talk with you and have fun and be able to to hear your words and be able to to feel when you're trying to push and, and be able to stop when you're saying to stop and be able to go when you say go. And Lord, let them just learn how to have a constant communication with you. Let that be pivotal for them. Lord, some of us tonight, I beg, I beg, I beg for them to step out of this aisle tonight and say, you know what, I need a relationship with Jesus, and I want to start that today. And I hope that they come down to the prayer team, and the prayer team surely just shows them that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him on the third day, then you will be saved. Lord, give us all confidence. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge and understanding. For it's in your name. Amen. If you will stand up and let's worship.